Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you are excited for Bible study, and I hope you can hear me. I am so sorry about the network connection. Uh, it's been really terrible in my area this past weeks, and I apologize. I really do hope that it's better now, and you can hear me. If at any time you cannot, please let me know. I will make sure that I uh, figure out something, okay? So thank you, thank you for coming in for Bible study. Say hi to your neighbor to your left and right. Give them a high five, a virtual high five. Tell them you love them. This is the best place you can be on a Thursday night, I promise you. Thank you for giving your time to this. Alright, right about now, just get out your Bibles, your writing materials. It's going to be an amazing night. It's going to be pretty short as well. Uh, but I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay close attention. This, this month of September, the Lord laid it in my heart that a lot of us are dealing with so many issues, a lot of issues that are not so popularly spoken about or are just spoken about uh, very, very rarely, right? And these are things that many of us are, are dealing with. And some of you look and say, why is it that some unbelievers live their lives without such complications, without such stress, without such issues? But I get to feel these things. I get to live this way. Aren't, aren't I supposed to be different? Aren't I supposed to be a light in the darkness? Why do bad things happen to me? Why do I fail when I'm supposed to be a success? Why do I make mistakes when I'm supposed to be perfect in Christ? Why do I feel this way? Why am I sad when I'm supposed to experience joy? Why do I feel insecure when I'm supposed to be standing secure and assured in all that God has to offer for me? Why do I feel this way? And so we are going to talk about handling real life issues for the entirety of this month. As, as, as much as the Lord will allow us have this, we're going to deal with real life issues. All right. And I promise you that it's practical. So this is the thing. The first uh, thing we're going to talk about in this series is the issue of anxiety. In fact, we're going to learn how to pour out this type of tea called anxiety. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to pour it out today. If you are with your cups right with you, carry your cups, get ready to pour it all out till there's nothing left. And we're going to fill it up with something else. We're going to fill up that cup with something that will carry you through those times where you feel the tendency to be anxious. And, and I, I want to, I want to, um, I want to ask a question and I want your comments, your honest comments. Have you ever been in a situation that you were anxious? I, I mean, I, I believe at some point everyone somehow has felt anxiety. I'm going to explain what anxiety is as we go further, but you know, it's just that obsessive worrying or, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. And you're scared, you are, you're concerned, deeply concerned, worrying about it. 
right? How many of how many of you have been anxious to a point where it starts to show physically, like your body actually starts to move, starts to shake, your heart starts to pound and beat, you start to break into a sweat. How many of you have been that anxious before? Let me see in the comment section. It, it's something that is real. It is real. Believers in Christ experience this. All right. There are just times and, and see, it, it's not about your status. It's not about how much money you have. I'll give you an example. Imagine you are one of the wealthiest people in town, right? Imagine you're one of the wealthiest people in town. You have no cares. You have the top-notch security. Everything is fine, going well for you. But somehow, in a time of carelessness, you were just in a park or something with your daughter, decided to go somewhere, and somehow she got missing but actually she was kidnapped when you were not looking in a direction or maybe on her way to school. Let's use that. On her way to school, she was kidnapped, right, by by someone pretending to be uh, one of the security men of her father. She's kidnapped. And in ransom note comes to the, to, the, to the guy, the wealthy guy, that, look, if you don't pay us just, you know, $20 million, small money, if you don't pay us $20 million, we will kill your daughter. They, they show him a video of her, how she's in so much pain. Immediately, the man who seemed to be the most secure man, who, who seemed to, to have financial stability, will become anxious because he doesn't know the outcome of that situation. He starts to worry. He starts to put all the probabilities together. What happens if this happens? What happens when that happens? You become obsessive. You start to worry. You start to overthink. And anxiety sets in. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. At every point in time, someone, someone, ha, you know, somewhere in the world, everyone at some point has experienced what anxiety is. Many of you, it's in different circles, different situations. It's in school. It's, we'll, we'll talk about this. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll lay these examples bare for everyone to know that anxiety is very relatable. And more importantly, I myself can relate to anxiety. But I can tell you categorically speaking, you can live a life free from anxiety. You can live a life above the cares and worries that everyone else is worrying about. I promise you, and I'm going to show you and share with you that secret. So let's go into what anxiety is. For many who might not be sure what it is or uh, how extensive it is, it's it reaches everything. It reaches, it cuts across so many areas, right? So, um, statistically speaking, let's know what the world is saying, right? Um, according to statistics, right? Uh, anxiety disorders are actually the most common mental illnesses in the U.S. Now, relax. <laughs> I'm not saying because you've been anxious, you have a disorder, right? But it's possible that yours is uh let me not talk about you <laughs> directly but it's possible that some people have anxiety disorders right where it's just excessive and it affects about 40 million adults in the u.s alone that's one in five people one in five people have anxiety disorders in the united states you know and some of you say it's white people problem <laughs> no it happens to it happens to any regardless of race regardless of ethnicity it's that serious 
And the World Health Organization says that almost 300 million people have an anxiety disorder. That's a lot of numbers. 300 million people suffer from anxiety in this world. It's crazy. It's so pervasive in this world. And it's not, it's not a surprise. This year alone, the numbers have almost doubled. Just this year, the numbers have almost doubled. Because <laughs> someone said that this, someone said that this year was written by a six-year-old in collaboration with Stephen King, one of the most um, renowned authors of of horror stuff. Right? Just think of all the horror directors, all the horror writers, all the anime that write all this gory demonic stuff all of them just combine together let's make a project let's call it 2020 <laughs> that's what this year has seemed to be from one thing to the next to the next no one saw covid coming it was happening and somebody was like, oh just that china stuff and from china boom everywhere and china recovered so quickly but even as that was happening we we're trying to get our feet in trying to know how to survive boom we heard so 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 person, um, what's his name, Kobe Bryant, passed away, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, this guy, he was so good." And what made it even worse was that his daughter passed away. Wow! So even if you are rich and you're a celebrity, you can still die. We heard different things, different things along the way. This happened. This happened. Most recently, this guy passed away. One of the great legends. In the black community passed away before that we saw a bomb explosion some of you saw the live videos of the explosion in beirut lebanon it was it was devastating it was crazy for me personally covid was happening around i was like oh it will not come near my dwelling every plague <laughs> and guess what i got news that my dad was sick i was like oh it's just normal cold bam later on we heard that he's on oxygen i'm like how Later, he was diagnosed with acute pneumonia. How? Later, we found out it was coronavirus. And at every point in this year, there's just something happening. And and you, you're just in your house. You're like, even think about it. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to let you know. In fact, some of you who have watched this show, 1,000 Ways to Die, I will not recommend it for you. But I remember growing up in, in secondary school, I would always watch it. Watch it. People how so silly and so stupid. <laughs> No offense, but like some people just died stupid deaths. Like, you know, like, ah, let me not even get into it. Never mind. <laughs> but like, some of you are like, let me, let me, um, not stay in, let me not go out because it's safer in my house. If I go out, there is a tendency for a car accident. There's a tendency for this happening, kidnapping, killing, all of that. Let me stay in my house. Even if you stay in your house, what guarantees you that you will not fall sick? If you are in your house, what guarantees you that something will not come for you? There are some people who were involved in natural disasters abroad. They were in their houses and the natural disasters came for them in their houses. Even recently, we heard about the helicopter that crashed in Ikeja. People were in that environment. They were just there. Imagine if it were not a helicopter and it was an airplane. What happens? Just in your house, you are just... What I'm trying to say, and I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to tell you that there is always going to be danger everywhere. But will you live a life of anxiety? Will you live a life worrying about your every step as if you're walking on eggshells? Is that the life God wants you to live? 
Can you be one who has no fear whatsoever? No fear of death, no fear of danger. Even if you know it's lurking in, around in the corners, you are confident, you are not anxious. You are not a slave to fear. Can you live that way? And for some of you, it might not be the fear of danger. And I, we're going to talk about this as we go forward. Let me not get ahead of myself. But that's what we experience. Uncertainty. Danger. So it's serious, guys. It's serious stuff. Now, there's a, there's a definition for anxiety that I, I, I was drawn to. And it's by an anonymous person. It says, anxiety is mysterious. <laughs> that's what the person says. Anxiety is mysterious. It can feel... Like an invisible cage. And some of you can relate to this. It can feel like an invisible cage that keeps you prisoner on your sofa. Unable to move for fear of something that you can't quite identify. For some of you, you are anxious about things. You can't even tell what you are anxious about. Right? It just grips you. It's mysterious. Sometimes you don't even know where it comes from. You just feel that way. But God's desire for you is that you live a fulfilled and full life, full of joy, full of excitement, full of expectation, full of trust in God. Praise the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to walk you, I know this is not a science class, but I want you to just walk us through this. Because these are real life issues and I want you to be aware, not just for yourself, but for the sake of others that might be around you. These things can help them. It can help you be knowledgeable about them. Some of you have siblings. You might even have parents that have anxiety disorders. Let me tell you something. I feel a lot of African parents, right? (laughs) I hope they're not listening now. It's possible my mom is listening as well. We'll find out. (laughs) Lord, help me. Um, A lot of African parents. I know they mean well, and you know... You guys know, you know they mean well, right? They do. But then, you know how crazy it can get, especially if you are the first daughter or you are the only son in that family. You know how it is like, you know. There is just that place. Now, they will call it protectiveness, concern. We want to protect you. But in actual fact, sometimes it, it's it's... Anxiety masquerading as protection. Do you, and a lot of a lot of African parents actually suffer for that. You're going somewhere, eh? You're not going there. Oh, no. What are you doing there? Ah, is my friend's birthday? No, birthday party. Why can't you do it via Zoom? <laughs> Why can't you have it online? I like, mom, that doesn't make sense. No, you stay. You're not going anywhere. No. Have you not heard what you're doing to young girls? Imagine that time where. Justice for Tina, justice for Uwa was rampant. Rape and news of rape. Parents were on the high. They were like, no, my, do- my daughter, eh? why are you going out with skirts? Come on, you can remove that skirt, wet trousers, what, what nonsense. <laughs> you know, things like that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And there is just that anxiety. What if my child, what if my child, and many of you might not understand until you start to have your, I mean, there was just an instant switch from when you were not responsible for someone to when you are, and everything about your life changes. You see life from a different perspective. You start to worry about things you never thought you would ever care about in a million years. And a lot of people have that anxiety. So you might have someone in your house 
a sibling, a relative, a friend that actually suffers from anxiety. It might even be you. So you need to know these things. Arm yourself with this knowledge. Know what the different types are, what the causes are, and how do you pour out anxiety. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Alright, so here are some anxiety disorders. A few of them I'll mention for us. The first one is generalized anxiety disorder. Right? Generalized anxiety disorder. It's also called GAD. Right? Uh, generalized anxiety disorder. And it's, it's when you just feel this excessive, unrealistic worry or, or you have some feeling of tension with little or no reason. Like you're just general, like it's just not really anything. It's just a general feeling. You don't even know where it's coming from. You're just excessively worrying about stuff. Feeling like you're under pressure, you're under some tension. It happens. It happens. It's not supposed to be. If you feel that way and you feel it's normal, it's not normal. You're not supposed to be distressed. You're not supposed to be in a place where you feel constantly under pressure. Alright, so that's the first one. Generalized anxiety disorder. Then there is panic disorder. This is one of the most aggressive forms. Panic disorder. This is where you just start to feel intense fears. And sudden, they're just sudden. And all of, all of a sudden, you just start to feel these panic attacks. Right? And panic attacks, some of you have seen someone react that way. Some of you, it's shortness of breath. Some of you start to sweat. Some of you have chest pain. I have a couple of friends that react that way to situations. Uh, it, it just, it's just crazy. Like you, and it could be for any reason whatsoever, but it's always very aggressive. That's a panic disorder. It's a type, you know, where you feel like you're having a heart attack. That's it. So that's panic disorder. Then the next one is social anxiety disorder. This is a real thing. It's really sad. No, like it's, like it's really sad. Like it's sad because it's social anxiety disorder. S-A-D. It's social anxiety. Yeah, you get the point. So it's, it's, it's social anxiety disorder. Um, it's when you just feel overwhelmed. It, it, it's common to a lot of people, especially if you're an introvert. Um, you just feel, uh, very weird around people, right? You just, you're just so self-conscious about yourself in any social situation or gathering. You feel embarrassed or you feel like people are judging you or they'll ridicule you when you speak. Or you feel like when you talk, everybody's watching out for your H-factor. When you just say, all of you, I actually appreciate. You're just thinking that, look, at the end of the day, everyone's just out to get me social anxiety. It's real. It's real. I know some of my family members that actually suffer from this. It's crazy. And so many people just resolve to introversion. You just want to stay on your own. And you're just worried about everything. Worried about how you look. Not worried about... You know, everything, and it's different from what ladies do. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, ladies love to look good, love, love to smell good. Well, some of, most of them, I believe, love to present themselves in a way that they are accepted. Do you understand? It happens to guys. Sometimes guys don't really care. Like, we like, look at me. I, I combed my hair. I didn't comb my hair. I wore the same boxers straight for two weeks. Nobody, like, I don't care. But girls have that sense. It's not the same. This is different. Um, it's it's just a higher level where you're so overly conscious of yourself, self-conscious, and you feel weird in social gatherings. So that's social anxiety disorder. Then we have specific phobias. So 
these are just things that many of us are afraid of, right? Um, different phobias. It could be um, fear of water. I hope you don't have that fear, and you've been. I hope you've been taking your bath. I do hope you have been taking your bath in this lockdown period. You dirty, dirty person. I hope you are. <laughs> Sorry. Just yeah. Let me just calm down. Some of you are not taking your bath. Please change that. God bless you. Sign management. So. Some people have a fear of water. Some people have a fear of heights. That's very common. Some have, I am, and some of you have it on your bucket list to skydive someday. I wish you all the best, even though I'm going to try it out myself. I'm not going to do bungee jumping because that's just silly. But skydiving, no, that's beautiful. It says you shall fly on wings of an eagle. I need to experience that in my lifetime. Praise the name of Jesus. So, there are those phobias that you have sometimes is whatever just do a search of different phobias and in the entire world there are a lot of silly ones some of you it's fear of rats some of you is fear of cockroaches some of you is fear of women yes that's a real thing um do you know there's a phobia for jesus some people there's a i don't know if it's christophobia or something but there's a fear of, of jesus christ that's just weird anyways uh <laughs> But that's that's another type of disorder. Then we have, uh, I mean, it's this one comes under it. It's agoraphobia, where you just are in a place where you, it seems like um, it's going to be hard for you to escape from there in an, if an emergency occurs. So you feel confined. Uh, maybe if it's an airplane or public transportation or something, you just feel like ah, if you, if you have you, if you need to escape, it will be hard for you. Some people are afraid of that. But that's just, that's agoraphobia. It's just a part of different phobias, right? Then there's separation anxiety. Separation anxiety. What is separation anxiety? That is, uh, it's, it's not just little kids that feel that way. You know, when you leave a, when you leave a kid, um, and you go away, the kid starts to cry, gets scared, right? Doesn't feel protected. But it can happen to anyone. You know, when someone who is close to you leaves, Right, you're always worried about them. Separation anxiety, and that's that's what parents, especially, or girlfriends or boyfriends, experience. Right, married couples to experience that. Um, parents to their children, married couples to their partners, or dating uh, couples as well to their partners. Where if this person leave, leaves, I'm always anxious, and that's why many times they always say, ah, "I need to call my boo every day." And why, why would he not talk to me every day? I need to know how he is. I need to know what's going on. Like, is he okay? Like, what happened? I need to know whether he got home safely. I want to know whether Breeze did not blow his head too much. I want to be sure that, you know, he sat down properly. I want to be sure that his tea was not too hot when he drank it at the office. I need to know these things, okay? Whatever your case is, whatever it is, there is that separation anxiety. You want to know... That those close to you are safe where they are after they've left you. So it's very, very common. Then there is selective mutism. A mute, like when you are mute, when you are, you can't speak, right? Selective mutism. So it's a type of social anxiety. Uh, and it's just like when you can talk to people a whole lot, right? You can talk to people. It happens a lot with children. You can talk with your parents, you can talk with your siblings, but when you go out to public spaces like school or some other places, um, you just can't talk. You just can't speak. Um, so that's selective mutism. So all these types of anxiety disorders, there are many more, but all these kinds 
medically speaking, many of them will say these things are not curable, but they can receive treatment to get better, right? They are not curable. You meet a psychiatrist or a, a psychologist who can walk you through the process, a therapist, a shrink, who will just tell you this, how to adapt to such situations. But I tell you with all assurance that there is a better solution. I promise you there is a better solution. Am I getting there? We are getting there. And you, you can best believe that even if you fall in this category, you don't have to live this way. You can be in control of your feelings. You can be in control of how you react to situations. You can choose how you speak, how you talk, how you respond. You can. And we're going to get to that. Now, before we do, let's talk about some of the causes of anxiety. And, and these are things that I want you to be aware of so that you know how to avoid them um, in any given case, right? If you, if you are to avoid them or if you can avoid them. So these are some causes of anxiety. Um, let me see how many I have. About, I have about six of them, right, that I feel cause anxiety. Uh, the first one is ghosts from the past. Number one is ghosts from the past. Ghosts from the past. Now, ghosts from the past, um, you know what this is, right? This just talks about past failures of past experiences that you've had that are triggers for how you feel presently, right? So I'm going to give examples. Ghosts from the past. Now, given an instance where you grew up in a family where it is hard for you to trust. You grew up in a family, your your dad and your mom, you've always looked up to them as the example, the perfect couple. And sadly, just start to realize that your 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 dad, let me just give that as an example, is staying away. He's not as active as he used to. He's not as caring as he used to. He doesn't talk to your mom as much. He's, he started fighting with her. They fight. They argue every day. They even involve you, you know, as children. Come and see what your your mom is doing. You know, this, 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 this. And just angry. He's no more paying the bills in the house. He's no more paying school fees. You just notice something is different. This is the man you used to look up to as the perfect example. Only for you to find out that there is someone outside. There is an affair. And that just damages you. That just makes you feel hurt. That I trusted him my mom trusted him. They made vows and he broke the vows so cheaply for that small girl out there. And you realize that that's not even the first time or that's not the only one. There are more. You are shattered. It just affects you. That's something that happened in your past. Now, so from that moment, it was hard for you to even trust again. It was hard for you to trust anyone again. But finally, somehow, you said, let me just let this guy that's been disturbing me, who has been asking me, sister... Sister, sister, I was reading the book of numbers and I wanted to, I wanted to know that, you know, I, I discovered that your number is not in there. It was not part of it, you know. Baby girl, how many times do I have to walk around you for you to fall for me? Because you're like, my, you're my wall of Jericho, babe. You know, all those lines, punches and punches and punches uh, of lines. And you said, okay, fine. It will hurt. But you put your guard up, right? You put your guard up. Eventually, you said, this guy is actually sensible. He's reasonable. 
I actually love him a lot. Yes, people say he's a bad guy, he's a player, but he's changed. He's better. I know it. I can see it. I love him. Yes, I will stand for him. Even if nobody does, I will be his cheerleader. Whoop, whoop, go team. What am I saying? <laughs> Whatever the case is, you start you know, to open up, to break those walls down, to let him in. And then, and then, this guy cheats on you. You find out from your friend that, he, that she saw him with another girl, kissing another girl somewhere, doing this. And then you're just so hurt. Hurt by it. Hurt by it. You're like, never again would I be in any relationship. Men are scum. All men are... Mm, you start to say that. But somehow another person comes along the way and you let him in and you're like, this one is better. This one is even a fellowship president. I'm sure he'll be better. I'm sure he'll, he'll do right by me. He will change the narrative. This fellowship president is having an affair with sister in the choir. You know it's always the sister in the choir. <laughs> and then that happens. That's the end. And you start to live in fear because of the ghosts from your past. They keep haunting you. Start being anxious. I can't be in a relationship because what if? What if? What if this happens to me again? What if that happens to me again? And you live in fear and, and worry and you're like, no, I won't let this happen. Ghosts from the past. Maybe yours is not even that extreme. Maybe yours is an exam. A particular course that you did once, you failed it. You're about to write this exam again. They told you to retake it. And you're about to write the exam, but nothing is entering because you're like, I failed this once. What, 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 how would I even pass? There's no way I will pass this again. How? I'm not that smart. I'm not good enough. I failed it once. I can fail it again. <laughs> and then it happens again and you're like, no, there is just no way. And you don't realize that your anxiety in itself is the cage holding you back from true success. That that anxiety is what's holding you from reaching your full potential, but you don't see it. You don't see it. You just let it take a hold of you because you feel helpless. I can't help it. No, you can. You can. So one of the main causes of anxiety is the ghost from the past. Past failures, past mistakes, past shortcomings. But I, I tell you, you need to leave the past where it belongs. Praise the name of Jesus. Number two, fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. This is a very common one. And especially for those of you coming to a place in your adult life where you need to know what is next. But you just feel stuck. You don't know what's coming next. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what direction you're going to take, what career path you're going to choose who you're going to be with in a relationship, where God is leading you in your ministry. Everything just seems like there's a roadblock. There is no voice. There's no direction. What do I do? You're just afraid of what is to come. For some of you, it's, I mean, you can relate to fear of the unknown, can't you? Imagine you wrote your exams, right? Maybe you're in, in engineering especially. You write your exams. But there was this lecturer everybody knows. They don't, you know those lectures, those courses where you know the, the courses by the name of the lecturer, not because of the name of the lecture. Of the course, pardon me. You know it's by the name of the lecturer. You know those courses. Those are the, the serious ones. You wrote the exams and they tell you it's coming out in two days on the portal. What starts to happen? 
before maybe you are just pushed away and whatever happens, God, I leave it to your hands. I do my best. I leave the rest. <laughs> two days, today. What? That fast? How did they mark? Oh my. How did they mark? Ah, okay. Hey. You start messaging. Tolu, have you, have you, have, have you heard anything? Ah, okay, okay. Okay. Ah. Um, BC, what, what, what's happening? What did, have you called Abduke? Have you called him to, to find out if he's dropping the, okay. Ah. Um. And you just start to panic, you start to worry, you start to obsess over it. Fear of the unknown. Many of you are at points in your life where you don't even know what to do next. You're just, like, I'm not hearing anything. God, you promised to lead me. You said those who are led by the Spirit. What, what kind of nonsense scripture is that? I am not seeing it happen. I don't know what is ahead of me. I'm afraid. I know of my friends who failed. I know of my relatives who failed. How am I sure that I will not also fail in the future? How am I sure that I will be able to take care of my family in the future? How am I sure that I'm not going to repeat the mistakes of my parents in the future? How? Fear of the unknown. Number three. Low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. Now, low self-esteem is a cause of anxiety. It is. It, it's it's both an effect and it's also a cause. Um, low self-esteem is where you start to look at yourself. You see your abilities. It's not that you don't have the abilities, right? It's the fact that you don't think you have them. It's a feeling. It's a thought is a thought pattern, the thought process that you, it's a mindset that you develop where you don't think you are, you are good enough. Do you understand? And so you start to have anxiety. For example, imagine there's a talent show coming up in, 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 in your church or in your school, whatever the case is. Talent show. There's a huge prize attached to it. Come and showcase your talent. And for as long as you've known, everybody has told you, you have a lovely voice. Oh my God. Did that voice drop from heaven? Did somehow, did Beyonce transplant her voice box to you somehow? What happened? How are you so good? This, 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 this. And you're like, oh, thank you. Stop it, Joe. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. I know now. Stop whining. No, they whine you. No, they whine me. But, like, you hear all these things, but still you don't feel you're good enough. And you step, you, you can't even register. You can't even get yourself to register because what if I don't do well? What if I'm not good enough? What if they say that I, I, I didn't hit that note right? What if they say, what if they say, but you know you have practiced, you know you have done the due diligence, but you're just not confident in yourself. Some of you have this same esteem issue, even as regards the preaching of the gospel. You know the gospel. You can recite it offhand. In fact, all you need to know is John 3.16. You know it. You know it. You've practiced before a mirror before. But when it comes to actually telling someone about it, you start to feel, what if I, I can't speak well enough? What if, what if the person doesn't rate me? What if the person doesn't listen to me or give a listening ear? What happens then? What, what, what if I can't answer his questions? What if I can't explain my answers to her? You start to look down on yourself. You start to water down your abilities that are very present, but you just don't see them. Low self-esteem. 
another cause of anxiety another cause of anxiety is incompetence incompetence now this is one where you actually where you actually don't measure up right it happens it happens this one is not that you have the skill this is you don't have the skill because you are not well prepared right imagine you have a pre- and i'm just giving an example and <laughs> imagine you are to do your final year project defense you are called up to do it sometime they tell you prepare but you've just been doing other things in fact it's they tell you it's tomorrow you had been postponing you're like nobody is saying anything. these lecturers are silent nobody's talking and they tell you tomorrow you are defending and all of a sudden you're just like ha tomorrow okay how is that hey god you start to prepare i beg bro send me your slides let me just adjust and impute and <laughs> you know these things now you, guy give me your slides this is this, this, this and the guy gives you slippers a pair of slippers because that's also that's also called slides but he didn't he didn't get what you were trying to say because like y- y- okay anyways you ask for the slides you prepare them and you want to present, but you've not had enough time. You have not even slept well. Prop- you've not slept properly. Your mom is telling you, go and wash the plates. Go and wash the car. Have you swept your room? Have you cleaned your daddy's this thing, your daddy's toilet? Have you done this? Like, mom, I, I'm trying to do it. Why can't, why can't Debbie do it? Why can't she go and wash the plates? I'm busy. I have this. Eh? You're busy? You're talking to me like that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Some very funny houses we have. Very funny homes. And then you don't have enough time. And there you are sitting in front of the panel, in front of your computer, because you have to virtually present. And you go to the first side. Like, um, so uh, the, the, uh, uh, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, sorry, is your network, co- I think your network is bad. Hello, student, is your network good? Oh, no, no, it's fine, sir, it's fine. I, 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 I. Uh, I'm just the 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 project the the problem statement. Um, um, sir, um, sir, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Incompetence. It affects and, and it gets you to worry. It's it's something that actually happens, not because you can't do it, but you just haven't prepared enough. You haven't developed skill enough to do certain things. It's a cause of anxiety. Low self-esteem was you have the ability, but you are not confident in the ability. But incompetence is you saying it is just actually not having those abilities, not actually being prepared and up to the task, right? Number five. Number five. Current negative experiences. Current negative experiences. Now I I, I spoke about um, past experiences, past failures, ghosts of the past. But now I'm talking about current realities, current experiences. And I gave some examples even as we started this, right? We are having a lot of news. And I, I can promise you that you're going to hear news in the coming week. I don't know if it's good or, or bad, but I mean, we are going to hear news. And things will always happen. The reason why a lot of us are so saddened when we hear, ah, Kobe Bryant passed away of blessed memory or... um Chadwick Boseman passed away. It's really, it really does hurt because somehow you feel you have made a connection with these people as celebrities. You've adored them for, for the longest time. But you need to realize this, that in one single day, about a hundred 
and 50,000 people, non-celebrities, die. 150,000 people die. Every, not every month, not every year. Every single day. As I've been speaking out during Bible study, at least 20 people have died. At least. You just don't know them. And if somehow one of them happens to be a celebrity, the entire world knows, the entire world hears, everybody's afraid, everybody's panicking. What if it's me? See, death respects no man. Everybody starts to put quotes, everybody sounds, starts to sound deep. <laughs> but the truth and the reality is tragedy happens every day. But I can assure you, oh, glory to God. I can assure you that for the believer, death is not a tragedy. Death is not a tragedy. It's a transition. It's a transition. Paul spoke. He said, for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live my life, I live it for Christ. Philippians 1. I believe verse 21. I will live my life for Christ alone. And to die is gain. Because even if I die, I am rest assured that to be absent from this body, from this world, is to be present with the Lord. That was someone with such conviction. But you see... The average believer today does not have such conviction. So at the slightest news that you hear, you are trembling already. You are afraid already. Like, what do I do? No one is safe anymore. Nothing is sure anymore. That's just how it is. Yes, that's the sad reality of life. But for you, life, (laughs) your life is Christ. Your life is all about Jesus all about his will because he purchased you you were bought with a price that is your life your cares are not the same cares that the world has you shouldn't have the same concerns that the world has your concerns are people are dying without hearing the gospel without ever believing the message of jesus and his love That's your concern. The world is saying, ah, people are dying. Your concern is anything surrounding Christ. People are dying without the knowledge of Jesus. That should terrify you. If anything, you should be anxious about. That is what you should be. But you don't just worry and and be terrified by those things. You take action. What are you doing to contribute to people hearing this good news? I digress, but it's important to know this. Praise the name of Jesus. For you, death is not the end. Glory to God. <laughs> the Bible doesn't talk to believers and mention death. No, it's not a word we find. The only death we have experienced is the death to sin. That is done, permanent, dealt with. Death to sin. When it talks about physical death, he refers to it as sleep. The apostles refer to it as sleep. Oh, that brother is asleep, but he will wake up again. Oh, that sister is asleep. She will wake up again. For you, death is not the end because death has been defeated. Glory to God. So you will hear things. Perhaps it's in your career. You hear that 50,000 people in one day lost their jobs and you are afraid. Ha! Ah, 
what happens? Nothing is secure. It's true. Ah, and I, I've not been working as hard as I used to in the office. Ah, HR manager even looked at me this way. Hey, my own is coming. Oh, hey, my own is coming. No, you can't live that way. You can't live that way. It's a cause of anxiety. You start to worry. You start to see and you look. The problem is because you're looking at the wrong things. Your focus is on the wrong things. That's why you are anxious. That's why you are worrying. That's why you, it leads to depression sometimes. That's not the life God has called you to live. That's not the life God has. I promise you, He has not called you to a life of worry and trepidation. He has called you to a life of peace. That when the storms around you wage war, you will be at peace because Jesus is in your boats. You will be at peace because you are in and you house the presence of God. You will be at peace. People will tell you, guy, how far? Are you not supposed to be afraid? Are you not supposed to be worried? Guy, they just sacked your friend. They just sacked this guy. Should you not be afraid? You're like, no, relax. <laughs> Jesus is in my boat. Eh? Jesus is what? What? what are you? You've lost it. I can't see. No, you don't understand. I have peace on the inside. Jesus is with me. Even if I lose this job, I know there is better for me. That's the reaction and the response of the believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. This word is for someone. This word is for someone here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Number six, ultimately, all these causes hinge on this foundation. Doubt in God. Unbelief in God. At the end of the day, where you find anxiety, anxiety thrives in the place of unbelief. Anxiety thrives in the place of unbelief when you don't trust that God is in control when you see all the things happening when you see all the things that have happened even in your past and you look to your present and you look to your future and you are afraid you are worried you don't know what to do you are distraught it's because anxiety thrives in the place of unbelief when you don't rest in God, when you don't trust God, anxiety will prevail. That's just how it happens. That's just how it happens. This is where anxiety stems from. When there is no hope in view, when there is no focus, focus ahead, you will start to stay in a place, an atmosphere of anxiety, of constant worrying, of fear of the unknown. You don't know what else to do. And anxiety, see, anxiety is hungry, I promise you. Anxiety is progressive. Anxiety doesn't just stay anxiety, it develops, it grows more, it grows more. It starts to lead to sadness, it starts to lead to obsessive disorders, it starts to lead to depression. And then from depression, it leads to other things. You start to have suicidal thoughts, how do I just end it all, nothing is working. You start to have this complex of meaninglessness. 
What is my life has no meaning. My life. How did you get there? Because you allowed anxiety to grow in a place of unbelief. You started doubting God. Check it. You started doubting his words. Check it. You started asking questions that you had no business asking. Check it. Your convictions were not convictions at the end of the day. They started to shake. They started to shake. Because you lost something. You lost someone. It started to shake. Check it. Anxiety grows in a place of unbelief. Ah, it does. So you need to be where? Now, we're getting to the place we've all been waiting for. Grab your cups of anxiety <laughs> and get ready to pour it out. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Number one of how to deal with anxiety. How to deal with anxiety. How to deal with anxiety. Are you guys with me? Alright. Number one. Number one. Burn all bridges. Burn all bridges. Burn all bridges. Burn all bridges. Now, we, the first cause we spoke about of anxiety was that there are ghosts in the past. Right? Remember we said that there are ghosts in the past. There are things that are tying you to your past, whether it's your own past experiences or it's the experiences of others in your life that you know about. There are ghosts there. There are links to your past. There are bridges linking you to your past. But the first step is to burn those bridges. And I mean it's, I mean it's definitely figurative, but it's something that you can decide to do. And that decision ignites the flame that burns those bridges. I want to show you somewhere in the Bible. If you can open with me to the third chapter of the book of Philippians, the epistle of Paul to the Philippians. The third chapter, we read from the 13th verse. Oh, glory to God. I find this example of Paul so, so valid, so powerful. Oh, so powerful. So powerful. And all these points I'm listing, it might seem like it's a lot, but you can actually do them. You can actually do them. I promise you. You can actually make those decisions, take those steps, and it starts to work for you. These these are proven because I myself... Um, have applied these things in my life. I know what anxiety is like. I promise you. Maybe outwardly, I might not show it the same way others do. But I promise you that I have experienced this. I have experienced this. 
Um, all right, are we there? Philippians chapter 3 from verse 13. And this is Paul speaking. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. That means which are ahead. Verse 14, therefore says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, in the context, he was talking about his past life. He talked about he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. In fact, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy knew his stuff. This guy was not just the average scholar. He knew his apples. He knew it. He came from that past. He said, see, by world standards, he should be highly esteemed. But he was saying something very important. That if he is to attain the prize, that prize he so desires, the, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If he's ever going to grow. If he's ever going to go to where the Lord wants him to be. He has to do what? Verse 13. He has to forget those things which are behind. And reach forth to those things which are before. He said he made the decision. He said I, I don't consider myself to have apprehended. To have arrived. I don't, I don't see myself to have he said, I choose to forget those things which are behind. This tells us that the past should have its place in the past. And it all depends on you. You can't choose to burn those bridges just because something happened with your parents does not mean it would happen in your marriage. Just because your dad did this does not mean that your husband will do that. Just because your mom did that does not mean your wife will do this. Just because your previous relationship ended this way does not mean your present one will end that way. And sometimes people don't realize it because they've carried the past into their present. They start to treat those people in the present based on the past people they've encountered. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You don't give them room. You don't give them the benefit of the doubt. You already made a decision. And you wonder why that relationship will go to ruins. It will because you already designed it for failure from the onset. Because you have not burned those bridges. Yes, people have called you a failure. They've called you names that in the past... Who are you? Your, your grade point average, your GPA is just terrible. What can come out of your life? But you need to burn those bridges and look forward. See, you can, I promise you. Now, having a good grade point average is good. But I promise you that that does not guarantee success. It doesn't. In some spheres or some, some areas of career, it can help. It will help to have that. But I tell you, you can be better because you have failed doesn't mean you have to continue in failure when you hear stories of unbelievers or people that don't identify with the faith and you hear about how resilient they were how they forsook the things of the past and continued in the in the future you'll be shocked 
You'll be surprised. These people did not even have... They didn't have the idea that God was on their side. They, that was not their driving force. Yet, they made such strong decisions. And in the eyes of the world, they are successful. One of which comes to mind is Jack Ma. The one who started the uh, Alibaba company, right? This guy applied to Harvard. About 10 times, if I'm not mistaken. Applied to Harvard. He tried the first time. Nothing. Failure. Wow. Tried another time. Failure. Is it because I'm of this race? Is it because I'm Asian? What, what's going on? Tried again. Failed. Baba, yeah, give up. Look, look, look to other places. Look, look to other universities. Why must it be Harvard? What's wrong with you? Applied again and again till the 10th. Do you, some of you, I, I don't know if you've started applying to universities, maybe for your master's, or maybe you have, when you're applying for your undergraduate study, you applied. You know how rigorous it is. Yet you apply, hoping something happens. Failure. You apply again. Failure. This guy was constantly burning bridges along the way with every failure. Burnt it. I will try again. Burnt it. I will try again. Failed. Burnt it. I will try again. Failed. Burnt it. I will try again. Failed. Burnt it. Hey. Hey. Sorry. I get carried away. But you get the point. He burnt his bridges every time. One of my favorite authors of all time. Many of you know her, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, the Harry Potter books. I love the woman, for, if not for anything, but for the gifts of Harry Potter. Yeah, some of you grew up in families where they said, ah, witchcraft is Adri, is demonic. Fine, that's good. But as for me and my house, <laughs> you know, fill in the blanks. Um, so, this lady wrote a book. A book about this, about that. She didn't know how it would be accepted, but let her try. Submitted to a publishing house. They read the story. Like people in this world read it. People that love it, they are fans. They read the same story. Rejected it. Same manuscript. She didn't change it. She said, ah, no, let me, let me apply again. Applied somewhere else. Rejected. Another publishing house. Rejected. Another entry. Rejected. Another submission. Rejected. Again, up until the tenth, up, up until the thirteenth time, the thirteenth time, someone saw something good in it. This woman was not especially, you know. I mean, of course, she has said that many of the themes in her book are Christian, Christian, um, have Christian roots. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but you know how the last part ended. You might know it, how it ended, how that the savior Harry had to give himself, you know, to defeat the enemy, but he was raised back to life. That was a picture of what Christ, what happened with Christ, what happened with Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia series. These were, had Christian, but she not necessarily, you know, um, associated with the, um, with being a Christian, but she had such a strong hope. Such a strong confidence. She burnt her bridges. So like the failures of the past will not hold me down. Praise the name of Jesus. These are things that we need to consider. These are unbelievers. Do you understand? But they knew 
that if they're going to move forward, they need to burn those bridges. Like Paul, forgetting the things which are behind and looking forward to those things which are ahead. Almost like you are, you are going to do things again like you never had failure. Like you never tasted failure. You go at it again. And people will ask, why are you doing this thing? Did you fail the last time? No. I have strong confidence that this will work and I will keep at it. Praise the name of Jesus. So that's one step to dealing with anxiety. Burn those bridges so that you don't start to worry about the things ahead. Number two, develop a sense of hope. Number two, develop a sense of hope. So you've burnt your bridges. What should you do next? Develop a sense of hope. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 2. It's one thing to burn your bridges. By the time you look back, ah, everything has burnt. The question is, what's next? What do you do now? You develop a sense, a culture of hope. Of You, you might even want to say optimism. But everybody is saying no. Shutting things down. Shutting down your ideas. No, it didn't work the last time. No, this didn't happen this time. Oh no, this relationship failed this time. You have and you develop a mindset of no, it can work. And if I not just it can work, it will work. I believe it. You create an atmosphere of hope. Now, some of the people in the world are using this. Um, it's a new age principle where people are starting to say you can speak things into the universe and the universe will give it back to you. You know, all those kind of things um, with new age principles, which are actually very demonic. They try to exclude God out of the picture. But I promise you, because of the principle of hope, because of that principle where you believe the best about yourself, about your future, those things start to work for them. It starts to work. Because hope, I mean, what are we without hope? A hopeless man has no life in him anymore. Do you understand? When people get to the point where they want to take their own lives, it's because they have reached a place of despair, utter despair, where they cannot even see beyond their islands. They can't see again. There's nothing for them again. They've given up. Praise the name of Jesus. You need to develop a sense of hope. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 2. Praise the Lord. I hope you're learning something. Alright, you know the scripture. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And what? Is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? Praise the name of Jesus. It says something. Who for the joy set before him, right? Before, the previous verse says that, uh, you know, we are, we are passed about, verse 1, with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race I said before us. It tells you how to run this race, looking unto Jesus, running this race of life, running this journey. You do it looking unto Jesus, who is the author, the one who starts your faith and he's going to complete your faith. Who for the joy, he now tells you that Jesus did the same thing. 
So as you put Jesus as your hope in front of you, that he who started a good work will, will bring it to completion, as you have that assurance in you, he reminds you of what Jesus did, that for the joy, and, and the word joy is synonymous to the word hope, but the hope that was set before him, the glory of those he will raise through his death. Ah, he endured the cross. He despised the shame that his own creation spat him in the face. He didn't mind because what was ahead was bigger. He had a sense of hope, a, a glorious ending. And he tells us, the writer of Hebrews, to do this, to run this race after we've burnt our bridges, move ahead with hope in view. Looking unto Jesus who is able to complete your journey. So you develop a sense of hope where people are saying that this is how... See, many people have made up their minds. I am not going to... And I don't know why I'm saying this specifically, but it just feels very timely. That some people will say, I'm not going to enter this relationship again. Because what I'm hearing around, everybody cheats. Every man. There are some people that believe it, that every man cheats. It's just part of it. Some have, have even accepted that. You know what? Just, if you're going to cheat, just let me know. Like, let me just know who she is. Let me just, let's, let's be friends, you know. Some have already a, a, accepted the fact that all men cheat. And it's not true. Even if all men cheat, why can't your own husband not cheat? Why can't it be you? Yes, everybody is saying that their husbands cheat, their boyfriends cheat. Why can't yours be the faithful one? That's how you hope. Yes, everybody's business proposal failed. But why can't yours be the one that passes? Do you understand? You develop a sense of hope. You defeat anxiety that way. When there's something to look forward to. It's similar to the next point I'm going to raise, but it's also different. Um... Number three is redirect your focus. Redirect your focus. Redirect your focus. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Very, very popular scripture. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 8. So this is what it says. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are... Listen, I'm going to start this again. So just, this is this is a, a, a God-given filter for your mind to help you place your focus on the right things, on the right thoughts, on the right images, on the right influences. So if... Those influences you have, you can't stop what influ- what comes in, right? But you you can you can choose what stays in, right? Things can come in, but you can choose what stays in and what goes out. And so, this is a God-given filter to every one of us of what should stay in versus what should should go out. So, it says finally, brethren, whatever things are true, is it true? Let it stay. Whatever things are honest. Is it honest? Is it an honest job? Is it an honest thought? An, an honest idea where you're not duping people that actually helps people keep it. Whatever things are just, you know that you are doing right by people with this thought. Keep the thought. Whatever things are pure, untainted, clean, pure thoughts. 
reserve them. Whatever things are lovely. I love the way the Bible puts it. That whatever things are, you should think about lovely things. <laughs> whatever things are of good report. Whatever things are of good report. If there be any virtue in whatever you're thinking, if there's any praise, like if you should take your thoughts, play it on a large screen TV, and there's something praiseworthy about it, it's good. People can see what is in your mind, and then, yes, well done. You're thinking of the right things. It says, think on these things. Think on these things. This is how you direct your focus. The world is saying something. Yes, yes, they will talk. But you block out the sounds and you choose to think on the things you should choose to think on. Does he have a good report? If all you are hearing is bad reports, bad news, bad news upon bad news, block your mind, redirect your focus from those places and look on those things that are of good report. One of the things I can help you out to remember is that as, as a child of God, you, are, you, are, you, are, you matter to God. As a child of God, you matter to God. He says, if the, the, the lilies of the field, they didn't have to work. Yes, God clothes them. The birds of the air, they don't have, of the air, they don't have to toil. Yet God provides for them. How much more? You. That's a good report. That God speaks well of you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's good report. So even if nothing works out, you know, around you, you're hearing bad things happening. That's something to remember. That God is for you. If God is for you, no one can be against you. Redirect your focus. Number four, very simple. Improve your capacity. Now, this is attacking that cause that I talked about, incompetence. Right? Incompetence. Where I spoke about uh, you you actually don't have the skills. You, you haven't developed yourself well then improve your capacity this is not one that you 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 use the bible to solve or you use the, this is not one of those this is a practical step you see that sometimes you are anxious when you stand in front of people because you're not sure if you remember what to say you're not sure develop yourself improve your capacity expand it get better learn skills be proficient. Do you understand? These are things that you can control. And ultimately, they will control and, and push back against any anxiety. When you are confident. Right, let me give you an example. Right? Let me see. There is this... There, <laughs> there is this place of confidence. Like, I don't know how many of you know tic-tac-toe. Right, that some of you know it as X and O. Is that is that yeah? That should be it, right? Or is it knots and crosses? I've forgotten what uh, is commonly called. But um, X and O is basically. Some of you know that if you should put your X here, and the person puts their O somewhere else, you already know that you've won. Like you can already anticipate how it's going to go, because you've practiced and practiced. You've learned all the ways to put your X. You've learned all the ways to place your O. You just know that it's going to work. That That's a place of where you've built proficiency. You're just confident. Do you understand? And then if it goes to a larger stage where there are bigger opportunities, you know that because you've done this in secret, you've prepared, that even when bigger comes, you can handle it. 
So you improve your capacity. You get better. You learn from people. Sometimes people um, compete with those they should learn from. And it's not, it shouldn't be the case. If you know you can learn something from someone, just humble yourself and learn. And grow in capacity. Praise the name of Jesus. That's number four. Number five. Very, very, very important. Number five. Encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. And I'm going to join this with celebrate little successes. Right? Encourage yourself. Um, and, and anytime I think of encouraging yourself, there's only one story that always comes to mind. There's one story that always comes to my mind. And it's, it's about the story of, of David. Right? Very, very, very uh, uh, powerful illustration. Let's go, let's go to First Samuel. Chapter thirty. Let's go to the book of First uh, Samuel, chapter thirty. We'll read from verse six. So, uh, if you read the story before, right? If you if you read what was before, you see that the Amalekites raided um, a place uh, called Ziklag, right? They fought David's people, fought. Um, they are taking the women captive. Um, they didn't kill them, but they, cap- they 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 captured them. You know, so David and his men they came into the city. It was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were kidnapped. You know, they, they, you know, they got there. Everywhere was just in disarray. Then, you know, the Bible tells us, I think verse 4 says that David and the people uh, who were with him, they, they lifted their voices. They wept. Like, they didn't cry. They wept. It said, until they had no more ability or power to weep. It was that serious. It was a devastating situation. All hope was lost. Where do we go from here kind of situation. You know, and even David's two wives, I believe. I think Abigail um, and what's the other wife's name? Um, Ahinoam. Ahinoam also. Yeah. They were kidnapped, right? Uh, but verse 6, let's look at verse 6. Verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved. It was such a, it was really painful, guys. It was really painful. Like, this is, this was an atmosphere of anxiety. Nobody knew what next to do. Their family kidnapped, their houses burnt. Every man for his sons and his daughters, they said. Everyone was, was saddened by, because of their sons, their daughters that were taken. And they wanted to stone David. Because you are supposed to be the man of God. You're supposed to be the leader to lead us to victory. Why did we even why did we allow you to come? We should have just managed Saul. After all, he, he didn't bring us this kind of damage. And some of you are in positions of leadership. It can be as small as being a class captain. It can be as small as being a course rep. It can be as small as being a team leader in whatever organization. And because of some steps you took things just fell apart big massive failures things are not working out 
and everyone wants to take it out on you. Everyone is just like, oh, why did we even trust you to do this? The Bible says, but David, not his men, not his wives, David himself, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And after that, ah, hey, you know, David spoke to the priest, told them, um, you guys do this. He started to make plans, inquired at the Lord. He spoke to the Lord. Shall I, you know, pursue these guys? Should we overtake them? And, and God said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover. Imagine if David had stayed there anxious, not knowing what next to do and just stays there. It's all gone. It's, it's, it's done. Our ah, own has done. Ah, there's nothing we can do. Just leave me. Let me go to the wilderness and just spend the rest of my days there and die. But David encouraged himself with the Lord. After he did that, he said, you know what? No. Call the priest. Call this. Let's do something. Let's take steps. He said, Lord, should we go and pursue these people that ki- they kidnapped our people, did this to us? Should we go ahead? We, we, we will surely take over. And the Lord responded. Responded. He wanted David to encourage himself to get himself up from that place of anxiety and start to look towards him, to look at the hope, to look at God, to redirect his focus from the situation and encourage himself and say, Lord, Lord, I trust you. Where do we go? Should we go now? And the Lord said, yes. So it's important that you learn to encourage yourself. For some of you, Nothing is ever enough for you. That's why you're always in constant competition, constant anxiety. Learn to celebrate the little successes you have. Encourage yourself. Remember the good things that you have. And then move on. Praise the name of Jesus. Very, very important. Learn to encourage yourself. Learn to have pep talks to yourself. Oh no, you can do this. Oh no, you can do this. The Lord is your strength. You can do this. You are not a failure. It's important. Words are powerful. You don't just think them. Speak them out. Tell yourself, I will do better. Oh, even though this is happening, oh, no way, it will not come near me. Even though marriages are failing, mine will not fail. In fact, mine will be an example for others to look at and give God glory for. When you start to speak, it changes everything. It changes your atmosphere. It creates a fence around you from anxiety attacks. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Number five. And then we're closing up right now. Number six. Very important. Number six. Get help. Get help. Yes, get help. You know, one of the one one of the causes that, um, in fact, one place that anxiety is rooted in uh, is stress. When you are really stressed out by many things, you just feel encumbered. You just feel there's so much. You start to get anxious. You start to worry. You know, but. It's okay to get help. When you're in such a situation, yes, you might have encouraged yourself, but you realize that, look, this is just beyond me. It's okay to ask for help. 
it's okay to ask for help. All right. So, um, look at Exodus chapter 18, verse 14. Let's go there. We're going to read from verse 14. We're going to read from verse 14 to verse 18. Exodus 18 from verse 14 to verse 18. I want you to uh, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. They were about to um, round off. Exodus 18, 14 to 18. Now, this is the um, story of Moses. It says, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, like some of you know um, their instances. Uh, you know some people that they just carry the whole world on their head, right? That's just what they do. They just carry everything on their head like they're the only ones that can do it. And that's what Moses was doing, right? He saw all that Moses was doing for the people. Like, does Moses not have time for himself? Always wondering about people. He said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Why all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Verse 15. Moses answered him, because the people come to seek God's will. That was his answer. Verse 16. Whenever they have a dispute... It is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decree. Uh, what he was trying to say is that, uh, you know how Moses, he called them the law of Moses. This is how the laws were coming about. Because anytime the people mess up, um, and he, he has to decide, uh-uh, you mean this man did what? He did what with his sister? No. I decree, therefore, that this is this, 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 bam. One law has been established like that, like that. So he was always making those decisions, acting as judge. He was like their ruler. Do you understand? There was no king, but he was their ruler for that time. So this is now, uh, this was how Moses' father-in-law, uh, Jethro, responded. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> Sometimes we need those kinds of people in our lives to just tell us. I'm reading, I'm reading from the NIV, by the way. You need those kinds of people to tell us what you are doing is not good. You will burn out. You will. You will. And there will just be a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, right? You might even want to panic because people are bringing things your way. You are trying to figure out your own life, find, trying to know where are we going. We are not even at the promised land yet. What, what is the strategy? What is the plan? People are still coming with their worries, their wahala, their problems. And you have to decide, make a case. He said, what you are doing is not good. Hmm. Verse 18. It says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. That's what is going to happen. You are not supernatural. As much as, yes, you are a fantastic man, but you are, in, you are confined to a weak body. You and these people who come to you will wear yourselves out. Did I just say out? I hope I didn't say that. If it is, please, let's cut it from the tape. God bless you. <laughs> you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. That is something that some of you need to hear. Many of you have grown to such dependence, independence upon yourself, where you are just dependent on you, yourself, and you. It's all about what I can do. If I can't do it, I'll manage. I don't need to involve any other person into my personal matters. Right? 
But he encouraged Moses. He told him, see, you can't do this thing. And I wish we have a lot of father-in-laws who are supportive. You understand? It would be so beautiful. He says, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And then he prefers a solution when you read further, where he says, okay, there are some other people who can judge some smaller matters. You just handle the bigger matters. They delegated, they re-strategized, and it made the work easy. That's what happens when you talk to someone, when you get help. Because sometimes you can't handle everything, you know. You need to talk to someone. That's why when you are saved, you are saved into a family. You are saved into a body. You are saved into a community. You are not just saved in isolation. You are brought into a family that can help you, that can be burden bearers, that can assist you, that can push you in the direction of destiny, push you in the direction of purpose in all of God's plans and will. Do you understand? Because you need help. You cannot do it by yourself. Because saying that you need help does not mean you are weak. It does not mean you are inferior. It does not mean you are vulnerable. It just means that you can't do it alone. God placed people in your life and around you for the sake that you would accomplish all that he wants for you without stress, without anxiety, without worry, without pressure. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. So that's it. Get help. Right. Just you need to just get help. And the last one is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I'm going to read um, a scripture from the Old Testament. And I'm also going to read one from the new. Trust in the Lord. I mentioned that anxiety thrives in an environment of what? Unbelief. And so the solution to this is to be able to trust in the Lord. Do you understand? Like trust in the Lord. Joshua chapter 1 from verse 5 to 7. Joshua chapter 1 from verse 5 to 7. Are we there? Joshua chapter 1 from verse 5 to 7. So this was the Lord speaking to Joshua, right? Uh, Moses had gone, right? Moses had passed away. So Joshua was the one handling and taking care of the people of Israel. And he had anxieties. He too, like you, had anxieties. How would I lead a great nation of people into the promised land? How? How would I lead these people into the promised land by myself? Would, would I measure up to his standard? Many of you are trying to measure up to a certain standard and you're afraid that you cannot. And that's where this guy was. And then the Lord reminded him, verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I such an assurance. No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He said, see, oh, as, surely, as surely as my word is, the promise I gave to your forefathers, I will fulfill it. You will be the one. 
to divide that inheritance to these people. It'll be you. So be strong. Be of good courage. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And that's why, that's where uh, verse 8 came from. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. This, this, this. So it was not just talking about you studying your books for <laughs> for exams that you prosper when you study. No. It's, or even studying the Bible. This is specific to Joshua. There was a book of law. There were things that were commanded. Um, not just the... There were laws, of course, principles on how to govern the people, but also how to lead them into the promised land. So he said, just continue with that and you will be prosperous in your ways. He was talking specifically to Joshua. And verse 9 now says, I've not commanded you be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid, not dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. MTN has nothing on him. He will be with you wherever you go, everywhere you go. Praise the name of Jesus. Be strong and be of good courage. Hallelujah. And then we'll open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, where we just read, but we're going to read from verse 6. And this is something I want everyone to remember. We say it so often, but it must never feel so redundant that you can't see how powerful it is. All right? This is it. Trust in the Lord. Be of good courage. Be strong. That's what the Lord is saying. He is with you still. Much more you who He has given promises of an inheritance undefiled, waiting for you, reserved in heaven. He has also made promises to you. He made this promise to Abraham. Don't you remember when he said, all nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That is the promise that we have. So you best believe that when God's promise is involved, he's faithful to stick with us to all that he has said concerning us is accomplished. Some things he has also said to you, that he will do. He has spoken to some of you. And you have seen it. But what you are seeing currently is not lining up to that. God is reminding you. I am with you. I am for you. Be strong. Be courageous. Trust in the Lord. Do not be dismayed. I am with you. Praise the name of Jesus. And there is a more direct instruction here for us. In Philippians chapter 4. From verse 6. I want you to open your Bibles. Open your Bibles and I want you to read with me. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 6. I'm going to read to verse 7. Um, so the King James says, be careful for nothing. Right? Be careful for nothing. But what that means, that's old English. That just simply means, do not be anxious. The NIV says that. Do not be anxious. And you need to realize something about this. When he says, do not be anxious, that's not a prayer point. That is not a prayer point. That is an instruction. <laughs> Don't you see that? He's telling you, choose not to be anxious. Wow, really, Paul? It's easier said than done. And he's telling you, choose not to be anxious. Decide in your heart that you will not worry. Remember what I said? When you choose to redirect your focus, when you choose to, to put hope, develop a sense of hope, he says, do not be anxious. You can choose. You can make the decision. I will not worry. Then he tells you what to do instead. He says, but in everything, in everything, many of us skip that. In every situation, whether small or great, 
whether something so significant or seemingly insignificant in everything, in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So God does take your request. He wants to hear you. Does he know what you're going through? He does. But you telling him shows that you have stopped looking to yourself and you started looking at him. You stopped looking to your insecurities. You stopped looking at the uncertainties. But you started to look at him. You started to trust him more. You started to put your focus on him. You started to rest in him. His, his ability in you, his power. You've chosen to rest in him. And so he says, let your request be made known unto him. Don't be anxious. Instead, put your request, whatever bothers you, tell the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You know that hymn? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. That's what God loves. He doesn't see it as complaining. He doesn't see it as you bothering him. In fact, I believe when you come to the Lord with thanksgiving, praying more, he loves that more than when you say, we have come again. We have come again. Father, I'm sure when <laughs> the host of heavens hear that song, they're like, oh, they have come again. <laughs> it's not by that. That's not how God reacts. When you come to him every time, when you approach him and you tell him what bothers you, like, you have a heart to heart. You talk to him. He's pleased. Because that shows you trust him. You've looked away from other solutions. And you've looked to him. The real ultimate solution. Verse 7 is a promise. Verse 7 is a promise to you. It says, And the peace of God. Oh. I'm having gospel bombs all over my body right now. And the peace of God which passes all understanding whenever you see which passes all understanding it means there is such a peace that you don't even understand where it's coming from people can't even relate why are you at peace you're supposed to be troubled you're supposed to be afraid you're supposed to worry you should be anxious right now you should be but the peace which passes all understanding. You don't even know. You yourself, you know that you're supposed to. You normally would react a certain way. But right now you are so calm. You are so collected. You are, you are at rest. You are at peace. That kind that comes from God. But it passes even your understanding. That peace will keep your heart. Keep your mind through Jesus Christ. Do you see the solution? It's a promise. It's a promise when you stop and you intentionally decide not to be anxious. The peace of God, it will come. It will come to you beyond your wildest imagination or understanding or comprehension. It will come and you will find yourself at peace, relaxed, where you should be trepidated, where you should be afraid, fidgeting, perplexed in that moment. You'll be at peace. So this is how you fight the battle. This is how you pour out anxiety. 
when you redirect your focus, you stop looking at your insecurities, your weaknesses, the happenings around you, the past behind you, and you look forward, you press towards the mark, you move ahead, you look to the Lord. Whom you need to be strong and courageous. Who you need to rest in. So you need to rest. That's the solution. You need to rest in Him. You need to trust Him. You need to stay with Him. No matter what comes your way, there is security in the Father. There is security. There is solace in the Father. You don't have to be afraid of the future. You don't have to be afraid and of the unknown of things yet to come. You don't have to. God wants you to trust Him. He wants you to rest. He wants you to know that He has it covered. He wants you to know that He has prepared the way before you even embarked on the journey. He wants you to know that His promise to stay with you will never fail. Lo, I am with you to the close of age, He said. He is with us by His Spirit. He will never leave nor forsake us. I want you to turn this to prayer right now where you are. I want you to pray and just make declarations. I decide never to be anxious. I live my life above anxiety, above fear, above uncertainties, above worry. I live my life above anxiety, above worries, above uncertainties, and I rest in God. I choose to look ahead. I burn the bridges of my past. I develop a sense of hope every time. I am optimistic even when the world is not. I am hopeful again even when no one else around me is. Oh Lord, I thank you. No more anxiety. I say no to to anxiety. Lord, it's not mine. Every anxiety disorder dies today. By the power of God, by the realization that you are for me. Every anxiety disorder, no matter how long it has, it has tarried in my life, it stops today. It stops today. This is the end. This is the end. It stops today. In the name of Jesus. It's falling away right now. Oh yes, I see it falling away. I see the anxiety leave. Oh, I see the trepidation go. I see the fear wrapped in perfect love. Glory to God. I see people liberated right now. Liberated. No more slaves to fear. No more slaves to the bondage of fear. Hallelujah. The cage is open. The cage is open. The chains are broken. There is freedom from fear. There is freedom from from, from worry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray at the top of your lungs. At the top of your lungs. Block out all the voices, even the voice of the enemy. Take authority now. I choose never to be anxious. I trust in you, God. I trust in you, God. 
Oh, I remind myself, I encourage myself of your promises to me. I remind myself that you will never leave me, nor forsake me. You have good plans for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for liberation. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Thank you, Lord, because there is confidence in you. Your people put confidence in you. Your people put trust in you. Your people rest in you. Hallelujah. We are children of God. We take rest. We take rest from this world and into the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Daddy. The precious Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you very much. We thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for your children who have made the decision to say no to anxiety. They've made the decision to trust in you for the rest of their days. They, they decided to leave the past where it belongs, burn those bridges, and decided to refocus their, their, their gaze, to look at your direction. They decided to get help where they can from fellow children of God. And they've made the decision to rest in you for the rest of their lives. I pray for a peace that passes all understanding to rest with them right now. A peace that passes all understanding to rest with them right now. Nothing will shake them. Nothing will make them afraid. Lord, they stand confident in all your promises and your will for their life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Daddy. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I am so happy for you. Congratulations. Because you've experienced such a mind shift. Victory over anxiety. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for being here. If this is your first time, let's celebrate you. Just type that you're here for the first time you're new. Just say hi. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.